We are learning Daf Kufyud Beis, and we're starting in the top line, um, th- four words in, where the Gemara says, mm-hmm. So the question that the Gemara is focusing on is when we're dealing with a case where Yavama says that it's within 30 days, and she says, My Yavam didn't have beer with me. He hasn't done Yibam. So she claims that she's still kind of um, stuck. She says, look, I'm here. I'm stuck. I'm waiting for Yibam. And uh, this guy hasn't given, hasn't given Yibam to me yet. So what did the Mishnah say? That since it's within 30 days, we can still believe her claim. After 30 days, it's tough to believe that he hasn't yet uh, done Yibam. But, but within 30 days, it's, we can, it's conceivable that he hasn't yet done Yibam. So we believe her. And we force him to do Chalitza, to free her. So the Gemara has been asking, instead of forcing him to do Chalitza, why don't we force him to do Yibam? Meaning the point is, the Yavim normally has the right to do either Yibam or Chalitza. So what's going on? We know, even if we do believe that he hasn't done Yibam, okay, so force him to do Yibam, make sure he gets it done. But why are we saying that a Chalitza is done as opposed to a Yibam? So Amarav, Vishikita Yotim Tachas Yadah. The Mishra is talking about a case where she's holding a get. In other words, she's holding a get that says that she was divorced. So what does that mean to understand? So simply understood, it might just mean like it's a, it's a regular get, like any get that's used to, do, to divorce a wife. So she's holding such a get. So what's the claim here? So the Yavama is claiming the Yavim never, never slept with her and she requires Chalitza to marry somebody else. And the get, she's saying, is that, is that basically it was given to me in order to make sure that Yibam wouldn't be done. The Yavim is claiming to the, to the contrary. He did have Bia with her and she's a full-fledged wife and then he divorced her and that's the get that she's holding. But everybody agrees that she is holding this get. The Yavama is just claiming that the get was given to her in order to ensure that Yibam would not be done, to push her away. And the Yavam is claiming that Yibam was done and the get is a regular divorce that happened after a full-fledged marriage. But at this point, that's why we're, at this point she can't do Yibam because she has a get. So the Shiloh just is, if we force him to do Chalitza, and that's what the Mishnah was saying, is that within 30 days we do force him. But in the Kharami, if she wouldn't be holding a get, then uh, we would force him to do either Yibam or Chalitza and it would be up to him to choose. Says the Gemara, we have a kasha from the Brisa. A Brisa adds more cases. Within 30 days, the Yavama says, I didn't have Bia. Whether the Yavam says, I did, or he says, I did not. We force him to do Chalitza with her. That's within 30 days. She said this after 30 days. Then we only request that he does the Chalitza. We don't compel him to do so. And this is exactly like the Mishnah's case because after 30 days, we, we, we believe we accept his claim. Because presumably a person doesn't hold himself back from being with his Yavama for more than 30 days. So that's just exactly what the uh, Mishnah said. But now we move to more cases. He omers the Valti. After 30 days, she says, I did have Bia. Who omer lo Valti? He says, I didn't have Bia. So here it's the opposite claims. He's claiming he didn't have Bia. So what's the law? Is a Yotzi Vigat? He may divorce her with just a Gat. She does not require Chalitza. Why? Because since 30 days have passed, so when she claims that Bia happened, that makes sense. Normally, we assume, again, that a man wouldn't restrain himself for having, after more than 30 days. So we assume that even was done. So even though he said, stated to the contrary, they didn't have beer with her. So we don't, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't give any validity to that claim. We don't believe it. So therefore, she would not, she does not require chalitza in order to get remarried. All she needs is a get. What if the opposite? Who Omer Baalti? If after 30 days, he says, I did have beer with you, Omer, Lona Baalti. And then she says, no, he didn't have beer with me. She says, if there was no Bia, I'm still, I still have my Zika. And then he changes, his, he changes his statement. He says, actually, I did not have Bia. So what happened was originally he was saying that he did have Bia. She was, after 30 days, she, she, she was saying there was no Bia. And then the husband changes his mind. He changes his statement. And he says, I did not have Bia with her. She requires both a Gad and a Chalitza in order for her to remarry. Because once 30 days have passed, so this initial claim 
that uh, that he had bia that's accepted. But so, if he, so so at this point we assume that she's going to need a get. But the get is not sufficient by itself because since the Yavama is saying that there never was a bia, so even if we don't believe her so much that there was no bia, and we actually believe that there was, and all you need is a get. However. The bottom line is there's a, there's a law called when a person says about themselves that there's an iser, so then in regard to themselves, their statement is believed. So she's saying that I'm a Yavama Shuk, she's saying that he never had Bia with me. She is claiming, she is claiming that she still needs Khalitza in order to go free. So since she made that claim, she can't pull that claim out. So she so she needs the Khalitza. So this is an interesting case. Bottom line is after 30 days, she's saying he didn't sleep with me. He initially said he did. So his initial claim is accepted because it makes sense. It was post 30 days. So we require a get. Chalitza is also required for her. She's going to need it, the Chalitza, because, um, because, because she, of this principle, she was saying that she still had the Zika on her. She was stating that she's, she was still forbidden. Okay, what does this have to do with us? What does this price have to say with us? In this case, it says that the Yavama requires a get. So clearly the case was, she didn't yet get, she didn't yet receive a get. That's what the bride was saying. In this last case here, with after 30 days, he initially said he had be and, and she did not. So it says that she needs a get and a chalitza. So it seems to be saying, now she needs a get and a chalitza. So again, now our question comes back. Instead of, um, and it, 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 so why did the first case say that we forced the oven to do chalitza? Why didn't we force him to do yivam? Until now, we've been saying the only reason we forced to do chalitza is where she already has a get. But I see in the end of the b'risa that the case is that she does not already have a get. So if the case is that she does not already have a get, so now the question comes back. The question comes back, why is that we forced to do chalitza in the first part of the b'risa? Why don't we just force to do yivam? If, if not for the end of the b'risa, we would have said, like the same way we said in the Mishnah, that maybe she has a get. But once I see from the end of the b'risa that the case is that she's not holding a get, so then in the first part, presumably in the bride, so she also is not holding it yet. And so why would it say that uh, we force to do chalitza? Why don't we just compel them to do yibam? So the Gemara answers, The end of the bride means she needs chalitza together with the get that she already has. So really, the whole bride is discussing a case like we said that she's holding it yet. The end of the bride was just saying she needs chalitza together with the get she's already holding. So it doesn't mean now she needs in the future a get and a chalitza. Really, she's already holding the get, as we've been saying. It just means she's going to need a chalisa with her get. The Gemara gives a second answer. Ravashi, there's two different types of gitin. And this takes us to some fundamentals in Yavamas here. Also, get lizika. So, in Rav's statement, the get was a get for the zika, meaning there's two types of get. When a person is married, he gives a get and divorces his wife. That's a regular get. But there's something of, again, it's only Durabana that it takes effect, but there's something called a get for the zika, where you're in a bind to do yibam or chalitza, and the yavam gives a get to try to push away the din of Yibam. That's what he's doing. Again, it's not going to free her without Chalitza, but it, it pushes her away from doing, it's like divorcing the Zika, pushing her away from, from acting upon it and doing Yibam. So in Rav, when we were saying that she's holding a get, and that's why we're not forcing to do Chalitza, but we, 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 to, we're not forcing to do Yibam, but rather Chalitza, we said, Rav said she's holding a get. Rav meant that she's holding a get for the Zika. Whereas in the Abraisa here, we're saying that she needs a get for the Bia, she needs a get for her marriage. Meaning, in, 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 let's just clarify. When Rob, we had original question. Within 30 days, we believe the woman's claim that she didn't have Bia. So we're forcing them to, 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 to act upon the Zika. So the Mishnah said we forced to do Chalitza. Why do we force to do Chalitza and not force to do Yibam? That was Rob's approach. She was holding a get. What type of get did Rob mean? Rob meant a get for the Zika. She was holding a get that said, I'm not going to do Yibam, I'm divorcing the Zika. 
there you can't do Yivam. Instead, you have to force to do Chalitza. The end of the price, which was talking about a case where after 30 days, he initially said he had, had Bia and she said we did not have Bia. So there we say we accept his initial claim that, wow, that we assume Bia was done and she needs a get, but we also accept her claim that she didn't have Bia and she needs Chalitza. There, when we say she needs a get, we mean she needs a get for a full-fledged marriage, a regular get that would divorce her from her new marriage that she had through having Bia with him that we assume she had Bia with him after 30 days. Okay. Continues the Gemara, Hanushne and Modim, there were two different people, Yom and Avama, who both agreed that they didn't have Bia. In other words, this is after 30 days, they'd lived together more than 30 days, but they, they both agree, they were in agreement that they, um, that they didn't have the Bia. Also, they came before Rava, and they wanted to do just Chalitza. Now, in order to understand this Gemara, Rashi tells us that the case was that the Yavim originally claimed that he didn't have Bia. He originally claimed, this again, after 30 days, he originally had claimed that he had Bia. And just now, he had agreed to the Yavama's claim, actually, I agree, I didn't. So this is, this is difficult, because his initial claim, once he says I had Bia, as post 30 days, we initially always side with him. Again, within 30 days, we always side with the, with the woman who said that you didn't have Bia. After 30 days, we always side with the man that there probably was Bia. So this is a case where it's after 30 days. Initially, the man claimed that he had Bia, but now they're both in agreement that no Bia happened comes in front of Rafa, and they kind of just want to do chalitza and be done. The question is, no, does she also need to get? So Amalu Rafa, Rafa said, chalitza, just do chalitza, finish up the business, meaning finish her, finish her and permit her with that. Why? Because since the Yavim now agrees that there was never a bia, you don't need to get. Right? Even though he initially made a claim that he had a bia. So he initially was claiming that there, would be, there was a full-fledged marriage. But since Lamaisa, ultimately he agreed that he didn't have Bia with her. So all they need to do is Chalitza and they're good to go. That was our time We just had in the Chalitza. We just had Mamish's case after 30 days where he originally said I had Bia, but then he changed. He says, actually, I agree that we didn't. The Bryce says that not only do they need Chalitza, they also need a get because we initially accepted his claim that he had a full-fledged Bia with her in a regular marriage since it was after 30 days. So even though now he changes, but we still accept what he said, in regard to requiring a get for her. So I'm a lady, Tanya, Tanya. If it's set in a price, it's set in a price. I mean, you're right. I, I, I defer to the price. If the price is set, it, the price is set. It. So we come out, and once 30 days pass, and once the husband made a claim he had to be with her after 30 days, even if he changes his claim, interestingly enough, we're still going to take on that there was validity to it, and to the extent that you would, that you would require a get. On the other hand, we're also definitely going to require a halit. Okay, so that finishes up some of these points here. Now the Gemara has a new shayla. How does this impact the co-wife? Now this is really taking a step back, going back to, going back to even the cases of the uh, of the Mishnah. In other words, what's the case? We, we have a Yavam and Yivama who are getting into a spat about whether or not Yivam was done. They've definitely been living together. They're disagreeing about whether the Bia was done, and we're saying, you know, should we go? Should we go force for chalitza? So we say if the claim is in 30 days, we force for chalitza. If it's after 30 days, we would only request a chalitza, but we can't force it. The Gemara wants to know, how does this impact the tzara? Normally, what's the law of a co-wife? The law is, once one girl does yibam, the other girl is free to go. But here, something scary happened from the tzara's perspective. The co-wife that she was relying on to do yibam, suddenly she's getting into a dispute with the oven whether or not yibam was done. The co-wife is out there in the world. She's just trying to enter into a new relationship. So how is she impacted by this whole dispute which is going on. So the Shaila is, maybe she is also to get married. Why? Because since there's a claim by the Yavama back home, who's supposed to be doing Yibam, and she's claiming it would never happen, so the Tsar is not allowed to remarry. So I'm Just because we're forcing the Yavama to do Chalitza, 
or if it's after 30 days, we're asking you to do chalitza, you think this impacts the co-wife. And the Gemara is saying it rhetorically. In other words, no way, the Gemara is saying, no way that this is actually going to impact the co-wife. The co-wife certainly would be permitted, despite the fact that here, back at home, we're forcing the oven to, or requesting from the oven to do a chalitza. Now, this is a big novelty. How do we understand this? So the Pashup shot is, is because back at home, it's a dispute. In other words, the assumption always is that Yibam occurred. Now, Yibam is opening her mouth and she's making a claim that Yibam did not occur. And we're trying to honor her claim to a certain degree that even though the Yibam is disputing it, we're saying, wait, why not do the Chalitza or after 30 days request it? But we're saying from the purely halachic perspective, as long as there's a dispute here, then we don't have to acknowledge that Klape the Tzara, there's a legitimate doubt whether or not she's free to go. But presumably, let's just bring out the point. Let's say both the Yibam and the Yibam agree that no Yibam had taken place then presumably the tsar is still also. It's only because here at home it, it, it's uncertain and it's just what's going on here is just that once she makes the claim, there's, she has the Shavya Nafshe and then we, she certainly also, and we're trying to we respect that and therefore force the Yavim or, or a request from the Yavim to do Chalitza. That's where the Gemara can say that for the co-wife out, out in the sea, right, wherever she is, she's muttered to do what she wants to do. But if it would be super clear as day that they didn't do the Biyah, then presumably the tsar would be also. All right, then what was the last part of the mission? A woman who was during her husband's lifetime, she made an edder offering benefit from the husband's brother. So what was the case here? Again, it, it, it basically, usually Yibam is up to the Yavim to decide. He wants to do Yibam or Chalitza. So if the woman, let's say, once, she was, once her husband died, she takes a vow, that I'm not going to have any benefit from my brother-in-law, so from the Yavim, so then we actually, you know, we disregard her completely. And, uh, and the reason basically is, is because we, we think that she said it, only to get out of Yibam. So therefore, therefore, what do we say? We don't force him to do Chalitza. We only request from him to do Chalitza. Whereas if she made such a nether in the lifetime of her husband, where we don't think she's manipulative enough to think about the possibility that she might fall to Yibam and she's trying to get out of it if she's still a married woman. So then if she did make a nether, if she was also to her brother-in-law, then she fell to Yibam to him. Subsequently, we would force him to do Chalitza. So now we get into another case in Shas that we're going to relate to this. Tanan Hassan, we learned in a mission in Nidar. Originally, the rabbis used to say, There are three wives who must be divorced and can still collect their ksuba, meaning an interesting thing. Normally, ksuba you collect on the, on the way out, but when the husband's terminating the marriage. Here, the wife is really the catalyst for why the marriage is ending, but she still collects ksuba. What's the case? A woman who makes a claim to her husband, I have been raped. The Mishnah and Nadarim, the Gemara and Nadarim clarifies this is an Aishas Kohen. So she's not claiming that she was willingly an adulteress. She's claiming that she was raped. The husband has to divorce her because Nadarim's Kohen is also to her husband if she was raped. But she still deserves Iksuba. Hashemayim beini levencha. She says, heaven is between me and you. So that's talking about a case that, that she calls on Hashem to be her witness. That basically this guy, um, that her husband is incapable of fathering children. And she makes this, this claim here that her husband cannot have children, and initially she's believed. Why would you initially she believe? Because it's such a brazen thing to say that to a husband that we assume she must be telling, um, it must be that she's, uh, that she's telling the truth. And that's kind of the underlying assumption here for these claims. There are certain things that are just so brazen to say that a woman wouldn't say it unless there was validity to it. So if she's claiming her husband can't father the children, we assume that there's belief to it and she can be divorced. We force her to divorce her because she wants children. And um, again, she deserves her ksuba. What's the last case? And this is one relevant to Austin. Tulani Yehudim. She says, I'm removed from all Jews. So what she's saying is that she, she has a neder that answers herself from having relations with any man, including her husband. So basically what's going on here is that if a woman is answering relations on herself, clearly what she experiences pain. That's what we assume the assumption is, is that, is that relations is painful for her. 
And she's considered like a victim. You know, it's a victim of circumstance that there's pain. It's beyond her control. She doesn't lose the ksuba because of that. And we believe, we, we believe her claim that she really is in pain. And therefore, he divorces her and she takes the ksuba. But then, even though originally we used to believe the women who made these three claims and they still would take the ksuba, then the rabbis changed. Society changed and therefore the law changed. What happened? Think about a wife. She, she, has a, she wants to get out of a relationship and marry somebody else. There's somebody that she sets her eyes on. So she'll lie and make up one of these claims to get out of her marriage, force the husband to divorce her, and then she'll go and marry the guy of her dreams. So the rabbi saw that people were lying. So therefore, they changed the law, and they said that if somebody makes one of these three claims, she says to They said we don't believe our marriage. The woman who claims I'm defiled to you, she has to bring proof. If she claims she was an Asia's coin, she was raped. There's no belief unless she brings proof. Now that's an unbelievable takana. Again, the rabbis are doing it. We understand why they're doing it because girls were lying, claiming that they were rape victims when they were not. But so we don't believe her at all. It's a big chiddush because you know. You would think that there would be a here where she's also to her husband as soon as she claims that she was raped and the rabbis are saying, no, we disregard her claim and she continues to be a tremendous novelty. How are the rabbis able to do that? So the Rishonim explained that this is such a pressing circumstance in society where women were lying about this to get out of marriages and this and that. The rabbis had to change the law and sometimes the rabbanon have a power to change the law in such a, such a bold way when it's absolutely necessary. When she, told, when she said that, you know, the guy can't have children, they should make a request. What, what does that mean? So that we assume that they, we just don't believe her. And, you know, like, go out to dinner. Like, get, get, you know, we try to do a little couples therapy a little bit. That, that's what the means, that we try to uh, reconcile them in the marriage. And she says, in the case where she's, she asked her, she made a nether, but not to be with all Jews, we say that the husband has the right to just annul his part of the nadir, and then she could be permitted to have beer with him. But she's still going to remain also to the rest of the Jews. So basically what we're saying is, he can be made for the nether because if the wife makes a nether that affects her relationship with another nether, he could revoke it to the extent that it's affecting him. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he can't be made for the nether in, in general in the way it affects other people. So he could revoke the nether here, he'll be made for the nether, and then he'll, have, he'll, he'll be allowed to have beer with him. But not with anyone else. So she's divorced or widowed, she would be offered by her nether to marry somebody else. That's the conclusion. So it used to be that when she made such a nether, we assume that it's just that she's in pain and bia, and therefore she gets divorced and she's free to go. But then we say, no, we actually don't believe her. What's with the nether? He's made for his chilek, and then she could have bia with him. Says the Gemara Yibayiluhu. Now they wanted to know. In this last case where she said, I have a nether asking myself from all Jews. The Avam out. What's Allah in regard to the Avam? Meaning, if the husband dies childless, is she also to the Avam because of this Nadir? Would it ever occur to her when she made the Nadir, the husband might die and she would fall to Yibam? Oh, no, this does not occur to her. If she thought about the possibility of Yibam, so then her Nadir asks her to the Avam. But if she doesn't think about the possibility of Yibam, so then the Nadir never included the Avam. This is the way Rashi learns the Gumar. Rashi explains further that on the one hand, She's basically saying, I'm not going to have Bia. Right now, she's a married woman. When she says, I'm also to all people, she means she's thinking about anyone who could potentially be her husband. So you could say it includes her Yavam, because she theoretically at one point could be placing Yavam in front of her. If it includes the Yavam, then he can't take her in Yavam, because the nether has never been revoked. The husband only revokes what's relevant to him. And the Yavam can't be made for nether because, because he's not yet married to her. On the other hand, you could say that she may never consider the possibility that she's going to fall to Yavam, and uh, the only reason why she said, I'm not going to have relations to anybody, was just to emphasize to her husband that it's not you. It's just that I'm in pain. That's the way that she brought it out because she said, oh, I'm not going to have relations to anybody. She was trying to say, it's not you. It's just uh, I'm in pain when I have Bia. 
but we don't really assume that she was going to fall to Yibam, and therefore practically, perhaps, she's not usher to the Yavam after her husband died. So our question is, and the, what's the mindset of this married woman? Is she actually thinking about the possibility that she's going to do Yibam or not? So Ravam or Yavam is not like the husband. It's different than the husband. The husband, the nether was chal, he has to revoke it. But, but for the Avam, we don't assume that, 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 that this woman ever was thinking about it. Shmuel Amar Yavam Gabal, the Avam is treated like the, the, like, like the Avam, and therefore she is Asr Tim. So Amar Abai calls the Ramastab. It sounds like Rav. What did our Mishnah say? If during the husband's lifetime the woman made an Ezra to Asr benefit from her, from her husband's brother, we force him to do Chalitza. So if it's true, Damascus died that when a woman is still married, it might be that she's thinking about the possibility of top of the then we should only request, meaning that's the whole point. That we don't assume that she was so manipulative to think about the possibility of Yibam while she was married, and that's why we're going to force him to do Khalitza. If we think she was being manipulative, we would only request Khalitza, not force it. So we see from the mission that we she's not so manipulative. She wouldn't think during her marriage about the possibility of falling to Yibam and let me make sure that I ask her Hanal for my brother-in-law. So the in our Mishnah why are we dealing with that she had children? If she has children, and then the likelihood that the kids will die and she'll follow Yibam is very, very unlikely. To Kule Hai, to such an extent, Lamaska died, that doesn't occur to her. When Shmuel was saying the married woman does consider the possibility of Yibam, he was talking about where currently there were no children. So then it is not so, it's not so improbable that she would fall to Yibam. Says the Gemara, then what would that mean? In Laban, if she does have children, then what? Levachin, then if she made a nether while she was married, then we would only request Chalitza. The way we're saying it, the law of a Mishnah that we force him to do Chalitza when the nether she was made, that's only where she had children. If she didn't have children, we would request because maybe she was thinking about it. Well, then, instead of the Mishnah saying that if the court determined that she didn't then, then we, we would request Chalitza but not force it, why do we have to say if the court was able to determine that? Why didn't the Tanah just make a sharper distinction and say, when is it true that we compel Chalitza? Only if there are children. If there are no children, then we only request. Why didn't the Mishnah make a sharper distinction in this case itself and say that it depends whether she made the netter at the time when she was married when she had kids or not? You know, we have to conclude. It doesn't make difference if you have children or not. So we always compel the oven to do Chalitza. We go like Rav, that when a married woman is making the vow, she does not consider the possibility of Yibam, regardless of whether there are children. Zalkagmar conclusively, Shmami, no. we conclusively see this from our Mishnah. Okay, so now we move on to the 14th parak. All the Durabanon marriages that they did for Yavam, for, for, for Cheresh, and, and for Ketanim. The truth is, many, most of this Mishnah we've already learned already over the last week. Let's see. If a deaf mute marries uh, a, a regular competent woman. So, again, that's not binding. But they said that there is a marriage for a cherish. So here, a cherish is marrying a competent woman, or a competent man marrying a deaf mute woman. If the husband wants to divorce her, he may divorce her. If he wants to remain a wife, he can remain his wife, meaning it's a valid marriage. If you're going to be bothered, how does he divorce her, right? In the case where it's a cherish getting married, how does he divorce? He doesn't have das. The answer is, just as he made a gesture to marry her, he'll make a gesture to divorce her. Meaning, that's exactly the point. Whatever level of competence the rabbis recognize to make the kedushin, the rabbis recognize to make the divorce. But if it was a total competent man who married a regular competent woman, but then she became a deaf mute. So now the marriage was daraisa. Now he's divorcing her at a time that she doesn't have das. 
He could still divorce her. Why? How? Because she doesn't need das, right? That's the point. When a woman is divorced, we don't need her consent. So we don't care if the derives a divorce, even though she turned to a, divorce, to a deaf mute. If Mazel Kanfi wants to continue being the wife, no problem. That can work. Nishtates, if she became insane, totally deranged, not a deaf mute, she became a shota, then lo yotzi. There's halacha, you're not allowed to divorce her. It's very fascinating halacha. The rabbi said, you're not allowed to leave a deranged woman on the street. It's very scary what can happen. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, obviously a tragedy to marry a regular woman, a competent woman, and then she becomes deranged. But the rabbi's legislated that you're not allowed to divorce her. We'll see more about that in the Gemara. Let's say, again, they originally both parties were were competent, regular derives of marriage. And then the husband became deaf, mute, or insane. He can never divorce her. The reason is because he doesn't have das. He needs a full das. This is a regular derives of marriage. He now turned into someone who's not fully competent. So how is he supposed to divorce her? So here he cannot divorce her. So if she turned to a deaf, mute, he could divorce her. If he turned to a deaf, mute, he cannot divorce her. Yeah, yeah, you would think so because, because the Zika is still Daraisa, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Amar Rabbi Yochanan Menuhi, Rabbi Yochanan Menuhi here um, says, So what's the reason why a woman who became a deaf mute could be divorced? But the man who became a deaf mute cannot make a divorce. What's the distinction? Because we can't compare a man to a woman. The woman can be divorced without her consent. The man can only divorce with his consent. And that's the difference. If the man turned to Acharesh, he can't divorce. If the woman turned into Acharesh, then she could divorce. Again, all of this is where the marriage originally was between a Pikach and a Pikach. It's just then they switch. But where originally the marriage was with the Cheresh, then eventually he could divorce, as we said. The same way he brought her in with a gesture, he could divorce her with a gesture. There was a deaf mute girl whose father gave her over. So the father can marry, over, can, can marry off his daughter when she's a minor, and that's binding Midarai, so he's Makabah the Kedushan for her. It happens to be she was a Cheresh. So now she yields to Begedi. Testify that she can be divorced with again. In other words, even though now the father has no authority over her, she's, a, let's say, an adult, she could still be divorced, which is a big chiddush, because, because, because again, it's a derisive marriage, the father's in Kabbalah Kedushin, and she has no das, now how is she being divorced? The answer is, because we don't care about, about her das. It's just like a case where Pikachas became a Cheresh's. It's exactly like our case, just like in the case of Pikachas, where she became a Cheresh's, we say that he can divorce her. So to here, we say the same thing, we say that uh, if the father was Makabal Kedushin for his Chayresh's minor daughter, that then he can divorce her. Now the Mishnah continues. It's a case of two deaf mute brothers who are married to two deaf mute sisters. Or they're married to two competent sisters. Or to two sisters. One is deaf mute and one is competent. Or your case of two deaf mute sisters married to two competent brothers, or to two deaf mute brothers, or to two brothers, one deaf mute and one competent. In all of these cases, it's pretty simple. All these widows are going to be potter from Chalitza and Yibam. Because in all of these cases, now if one of the, the husbands died childless and the widow is falling to the brother, so in this case, since it's also a wife's sister, so the widow is going to be exempt from Yibam Chalitza. And this is the point, even if it's a case where the marriage is only Durabanan, but if it's a wife's sister, then, 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 then there's, no, there's no din of Chalitza and Yibam. That's pretty simple. If any of these cases, the two wives are not related. In other words, if the two brothers married unrelated women, in the, in the case before, they're marrying sisters. But here we're talking about a case, we're moving forward, is that what if it was um, unrelated women? So then there's a, there's a din of Yibam. The Yibam in each case does Yibam with the widow because there, you can never do Chalitza. Chalitza is not an option. Remember, Chalitza is not an option with the Chareshes.
They have to be able to read. So here it's only going to be a Yibam Durabanan because the marriage is only Durabanan when you're dealing with the Harashes. But Medurabanan, there's a Zika that comes from the marriage Medurabanan, and therefore they have a Din um, of doing Yibam. If then they want to divorce Yotziu, they could divorce. What's the reason? Because the marriage is only Durabanan, and therefore the Yibam that fell is only Durabanan. So again, once it's Durabanan, Durabanan marriage from the outset, we say that the Kheresh could divorce afterwards. Continues the Mishnah. You have two brothers, one a deaf mute and one competent. They're married to two competent sisters. The deaf mute, the husband of the competent sister, dies without children. What should the competent brother who's married to the competent sister, what should he do? So nothing. She doesn't have to do anything because it's a wife's sister. No issue. He's got the derisa marriage of, of married a regular competent woman. His wife is Darai, again, Daraisa marriage, is Daraisa wife, her sister is falling as an erva. He doesn't have to do anything. But the other way around is harder. If the competent brother, who's the husband of one of the competent sisters, dies childless, so now a Daraisa marriage, Zika is falling to Mayasa, what should the deaf mute, who's married to the other sister, do? Because here's the key it's not a full fledged wife sister, it's only a Drabanan wife. So it's only a Drabanan wife sister, but the Zika falling is a Daraisa marriage. Again, the Pikeach was married to a Pikachas, and, uh, and, and, and the other one, the other brother was a Cheirish, so his marriage is only Drabanan. So it's only wife sister on a Drabanan level, but the Zika that's falling came as a Daraisa. So that's a tough thing. So Moti Yishu Begad, he has to divorce his wife with a Gad. His brother's wife is forever, forever Asher. Why does he have to divorce his wife? Because the Zika is binding on a Daraisa level. So the requirement to act upon that is there in Daraisa. So he can't be intimate with the sister of someone that he has zika to. So he has to divorce his wife. On the other hand, he can't do yibum because midrabanan is a wife's sister. So therefore he's stuck um, that he has to divorce his wife and, and the brother's wife is forever Asr. Now the big child is what she's supposed to do over here. There's not really much she can do either because she can't do chalitza. So she's going to be stuck. She can't do yibum because it's midrabanan, it's midrabanan a wife's sister, but she can't do chalitza either because she's zaka to a cheresh. So she's mamish stuck over here. Okay, and that's what the Mishnah is saying. She's also forever. She can't get remarried. Next case. Two competent brothers are married to two sisters. Here, one of the sisters is deaf mute and one is competent. The competent brother, who is the husband of the deaf mute, is childless. What does the competent brother married to the competent sister do? Nothing. No issue right again. Again, his marriage is Daraisa. It's a Daraisa. So therefore, the Haresh is falling is definitely a full-fledged erva. But the other way around, the competent brother is the husband of the competent sister. He dies. So now I'm asking about Chareshes. What should the competent brother, who's the husband of the deaf mute sister, what should he do? So again, here his marriage is only Drabonan, so it's only an error from Drabonan. So what should he do? So Moses is Shabbat, he has to divorce his wife. Because it's a, the Zika is falling Daraisa. And his marriage is only Drabonan, so there is Zika. So he can't be intimate with the sister of someone he's all to. But at least here, he's a Bikeach. His wife is a Chareshes. But he's a Bikeach, the Yavim, so he could do Chalitza. So she's not going to be stuck forever. Continues the Mishnah. All of these are like slight variations. Continues the next case. Two brothers, one's a deaf mute and one's competent. Yisuin the Sheikh is married to two sisters. One's deaf mute and one's competent. So here we assume the competent man married the competent woman, and the Cheresh brother married the Chareshes one. Again, two brothers, two sisters here. It's the deaf mute brother. If the deaf mute brother, who's my husband of the deaf mute sister, dies childless, what does the competent brother who's married to the competent sister do? Nothing. He's got the full fledged Daraisa marriage, and the Haresh is falling to him is definitely an Erva, so he doesn't have to do anything. But the other way around, the Pikeach dies. So we have a Daraisa Zika falling to the Haresh. He had a Drabonan marriage. 
marriage with the Haresh's sister. So most Yishas would get. He definitely has to divorce his wife because that's going to be the sister of someone he has Zika to. And then his wife is forever Asr because again, in this case, he can't do Chalitza. He's a Haresh. She has Zika. She's stuck. To Rabbanon, it's an Erva. But Daraisa, she has Zika. So she is stuck. Continues the mission of Sheyach and Echacheret Rechel Bikach. Two brothers, one's deaf mute and one's competent. Nisun the Shtein Nachrios, Nisun the Shtein Nachrios Pichlos. They're married to two unrelated competent women. So again, two brothers, one deaf mute, one competent. They're married to unrelated competent women. Meis Chayish Baal Bikach as if the deaf mute who is married to one of the competent women dies. Mayas Bikach Baal Bikach as what should the Bikach do? Oh, Cholitzum Yabim, you could do Chalitza or Yibim. It could be an ordinary case, even if you'd like. Mayas Bikach Baal Bikach as Mayas Bikach Baal Bikach as if the Bikach dies. What should the Cherish do? Konis, he can only do Yibim. He can only do Yibim. He can't do Chalitza because he's a Cherish. But here's the, here's the twist here. Ain't no Motsidolim, he can never divorce her. Why not? Because here the Zika was Daraisa, right? It was falling from his brother, the Bikach. Zika was Daraisa. So here, the Cheresh, when he does Yibam, it sounds like we're going to say it's going to be a Yibam that is Daraisa. Zika is Daraisa, so the marriage is going to be Daraisa. So now he is a Cheresh, so he doesn't have the Das to divorce a Daraisa, a Daraisa marriage. So normally, when a Cheresh does a marriage, the same way he did the marriage, he could divorce afterwards. That's what the Mishnah opened up with. But here, that the, the Yavam is, 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 is doing Yibam, he's a Cheresh, he's doing Yibam. And he's, and he's getting a full-fledged Zika falling to him, and he's still a Cheresh, so after he does Yibam, he's not going to be able, he's not going to be able to divorce her. Okay. Uh, continues the Mishnah, Hashnei Achim Pechen, two competent brothers, Hashnei Nushach, Hashnei married to two unrelated women. Achas, because Machas, Hashnei, one's competent, one's deaf mute. May speak, Keach. If he wants to divorce afterwards, he could. He's a pikeach. Whereas the other way, so in this case, the pikeach does other chalitza or yibam. Here we have no issue. He has a pikeach brother. Last case here. Here we go. Two brothers, one's a deaf mute and one's competent. Yisru and the Shein Nachos married two unrelated women. Achos Reshes Bikachas, one's a deaf mute and one's competent. Meis Cherish Baal Cherishes, Maas Bikach Baal Bikachas. Kones, he can he can marry her. He does Yibo. If afterwards he wants to divorce her, he can divorce her. No issue. He's a Bikach. In this case, what should the Cherish the do? In this case as well, he should marry her, but he cannot divorce her. So these are pretty simple, slight variations, but the irony of this last case is where the Cherish is doing a full Yibum, a full Zika, falling to him, he cannot divorce afterwards because it's a full-fledged Zika, but, the marriage is only, but, but he doesn't have the Das to divorce after. All right. So now the Gemara sees that we see something very clear from the Mishnah. The Rabbanon are Misak in a marriage for Cherish and Cherishas. However, they didn't do such thing for a, for a shota, for totally some, somebody who's totally deranged. So, what's the difference between a deaf mute male and a deaf mute female with a rabbanon marriage? We don't find that the rabbis did such a thing for deranged people. It says if a shota or a katan married women and then they died, so that's not a marriage. So, therefore, there's no need to do yibam or chalitza because the rabbanon were never misak in a marriage. If it's a cheresh, rabbanon were misak and it's a marriage, so then mid rabbanon there's a need to do yibam if they die childless. But by the, 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 Shod Tavakatan, the Rabbanon are never misakin that it's a marriage. So if they die childless, there's no need to do Yibam. So why is that? So the Gemara explains, Here the rabbinic institution would work. Meaning, they can get along with people. They can get married. They may not have such das, but they're able to maintain a marriage. So therefore, the Rabbanon legislated that there's a category of marriage. Shod Tavakatan, in the case of an insane male or insane female, it's not going to work. 
it will never, marriage will not last. And the Gemara explains, the person cannot live with a snake inside of one basket. That's an expression to mean that the nature of, of, of deranged people is that they can't really be in a relationship. So therefore, it's not going to last. If it cannot last, and the rabbis didn't bother instituting marriage for them at all. Okay, so now we understand the difference really between a cherish and a shota. Cherish, his level of das isn't, uh, isn't off so much that he can't be in a relationship for a shota it is. But says the Gemara, but what about kid children? A minor boy, the Rabbana Arvisakan in a Kedushin for him. Cherish, yeah, what's the difference? We assume a minor boy isn't, isn't totally off, right? He could be in a relationship. So the Gemara says, For a Cherish, it's never the situation is not going to change. A Cherish is not going to become competent. So since it's not going to become competent, it's just the way that it is. So the Rabbanon keep it, right? The Rabbanon keep it the way, the way that it is. We keep it, but um, institute the marriage, and, and this is what it is. A minor boy, ultimately, he will come to a Daraisa marriage, right? It's going, when he reaches 13, it's going to turn Daraisa. Therefore, the rabbis never instituted marriage. In other words, we don't need to temporarily make marriage for a minor. There's no need for us to do that. We'll just wait for him to turn an adult, and then he'll get married. When we have a Cherish Rachareshes, where the idea is that they're stuck the way they are forever, okay, then we got to deal with it. But when I have our case where it's... Um, where, 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 where it's a minor, it's going to change. So therefore, the Rabbana, we're not, we're not misakin anything. Says the Gemara, so what about a, a minor girl? The minor girl, the Asakanazun, eventually she's going to turn 12, and still the Rabbana, we're misakin right? That was the whole thing. The mother, brother, after the father's out of the picture, she can still get married. So how come we did that for her and not for the boy? Says the Gemara, for the girl, we want the protection. We don't want people to act immorally. We want a husband to protect her. So when it's a minor boy, the Rabbana have no need to be misakin the Kedushan. Minor girl, they did. Says the Gemara, another question. What about Mion? For a minor girl, we say she could do Mion. But the Rabbanim were not misakin for a deaf mute female the ability to do Mion. Remember, what's Mion? That the minor girl just says, you know what, I don't like my husband and she doesn't need a get. So the Rabbanim were misakin that for the minor girl. But for the deaf mute female, that's also the Rabbanim Nisu and the Rabbanim were not misakin that. Why not? Says the Gemara, Tim Kane, if the rabbis were, would be misakin that she could do them, no one would ever marry her. What's the reason? Because you're never comfortable. You're never secure. For a katana, right? It's not permanent. It's just for a few years. So someone might marry her and take the risk, right? That she won't do me in. But for a chareshes, it's, 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 it's like permanent thing, right? It's never going to change. So if, 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 if there would be no security and she wouldn't do me in, maybe she would do me in at any moment. No one would ever engage in the relationship to begin with.